Great. I think we uh, I think we're all here. If there's anybody else that comes, they'll come. I guess as we're as we're sitting talking. Um, can everybody hear me at this volume? Yes. In the back. Okay. Because we've got the air conditioner on. That it feels like it's spitting out air, but. Okay, well, welcome to Those Needy People uh, breakout session. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Eric Lintela. I have been beautifully introduced by Nate as the person who will email you if you are at the Rochester campus for new people who are interested in community groups. I'm the Rochester Connections Director, and I am uh, the Director of Outreach. Um, so like the partner with, partnership with Rise Community School that we talked about today, if you were at the first or second service in Webster or on the second service in Rochester or online, um, you can see that there. Um, so yeah, that's who I am. I've also been a community group leader at various churches in various ways for about eight years. Uh, when I was in college, I've been a group, uh, community group leader here at Northridge in Rochester. When I was in Divinity School in Chicago, um, I've done it. Led multiple groups with people anywhere from like teenagers through their mid-60s um, and have had all of those ages in one group before and have been in been in different, different types of community groups. Um, and so that's just a little bit of information about me. Um, but I'd love to get to know a little bit about the room. So if you think you have been leading a community group um, at Northridge plus other places for the longest amount of time, could you raise your hand? Has anybody been leading a group for 10 years or more? OK, anybody over 15 years? How long have you been leading in that? 16 years, wow. That's amazing. All three of you have been leading for 16 years? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> should we be happy that it's the same group or should we be? You know? <laughs> okay, okay, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, who thinks they've been leading groups for the least amount of time? Anybody? Yes? Are you a new, new leader? Or? Yeah. Awesome, that's great. So we've got a wide range of, of community group leading experience. I'm sure all of us have been in some version of community group or small group or life group or grace group or whatever you want to call it. Um, and we have all experienced some version of those needy people. And so actually right now, before we kind of dive into what it looks like to respond, I want us to take some time to think about those needy people. Think of, think of one person that comes to your mind when we say those needy people. Um, think of an example. This could be somebody who takes up too much time in group. It could be somebody that's always in a crisis that never gets resolved. It could be somebody with continual emotional dependency. Maybe it's somebody who's uh, a worrier or who has financial needs or medical problems or somebody who says the group's not enough. Or it could be that person who always says the inappropriate thing <laughs> at the inappropriate moment, right? We've all had that, that group. Um, we might have been that person at different times. Uh, sometimes I tell really stupid jokes get stared at by people. Uh, does everybody have somebody in their, mind, in their mind? Everybody have a face of somebody that they're thinking of? Yes. OK. Who thought of themselves? Yeah. Who thought of themselves? Uh, and the reason I ask this is because I don't normally think of myself either. But our entire faith is built on the premise that we are those needy people. Um, we are all those needy people. And I don't say this jokingly. I don't say this lightly. Because without Christ, without somebody that could fulfill the greatest need that we have, there's no reason for us to be. Right? Our needs, and then even within that, our needs might look different from that needy person in our group. Right? They might be less intense. They might be less obvious. They might be less severe. They might be less debilitating. But they're still there. 
and they're huge, and they, and our entire faith is built on that, right? We, we can't understand and meet the needs of others in our group until we realize that we are in the same place as them. And that's what it says in Romans 5. I love this. Paul writes this in Romans 5. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. I love that. While we were still sinners, while we were at our deepest need, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. Christ died for me. Christ died died for the needy person in your group, that person that you, you don't even know what to do to be able to help them along their journey. Right? And this is our baseline. And if we ever want to be able to serve them well, we need to see ourselves on that same place. Because ultimately, we're never going to minister effectively to someone we look down on. Right? We get to be with them, pointing to Jesus. We are on the same level. We are on the same point. And so today, we're going to be talking uh, about a large spectrum of types of needs. Um, and we're actually going to have some time at the end to discuss um, what we would, what we, how we would act in different situations with a couple needy people. Um, because the greatest knowledge uh, that we have to share is in this room among these seats. Like, between the group, between all of us, there's hundreds of years of community group ex- like leadership and experiences. And so we're going to be able to tap into that. Um, and before we get there in this, this, this talk, as we're, as we're going through this, I'm going to be focusing on some of those more intense needs. Um, more intense in the sense of maybe medical or financial or those persistent needs. Um, and while those are, you'll just be able to tell that by what, the way I'm talking, what I'm talking about, um, while those will be where I'm focusing, I really think that the skills and the way that we approach um, those needy people in our group um, that are with us in, in their needs um, will apply across the scenario. So it could apply to the person who monopolizes all the conversation time. Um, it could apply to the person with the medical need. It could apply to multiple different spaces. Um, and so I hope that we are able to have that in our mind as we go forward. So when it comes to helping those needy people and, and being in the process of realizing that we are those needy people, uh, we need to realize that we can't do it alone. Um, ultimately, we need help. And the first help we need is God's help. In order to minister effectively to anyone, we need God's help. We need to spend time with God. Um, and we need to lean into that relationship with God to fill our cup. I love it. In Psalm 23, it says, And you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. And surely goodness and grace will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that language of our cup overflowing. And that's what we're, as community group leaders, as followers of Christ, we get to overflow. Our cup overflows onto other people. We pour out onto them, and we overflow in the way we respond. And we get that from having a relationship with God. Because if our cup is empty, we can't help anyone. Uh, I learned this recently uh, with my car. Um, I'd been spending so much time focusing on putting oil into my wife's car that I forgot to <laughs> look at the oil on my own car. Um, and I realized, uh, well, my wife got in my car that one day, and she turned it on, and all of the lights showed up on the screen. Right? <laughs> there was the check engine light. There was the, the brake light. 
the, the squiggly one, like the traction control light, I've never actually seen that come on when it's not rainy or icy. That light was on, and it was because I neglected the oil in my car. It had been running on fumes for, I, I'm embarrassed to say how <laughs> I've never checked the oil in my car. Uh, and and we, can get, we can get that way ourselves. And I'm sure many of us have been burnt out as leaders. Uh, we've tried to come to this place where we're trying to so pour out onto, into the lives of others that we forget to take time to be poured into by Jesus. I love the language. Um, well, it, it's true. Even Jesus took time to be poured into by God. And I love the language, actually, in Mark chapter 1. At the end of it, uh, it says this. Very, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus, in the midst of, and there are multiple examples of this throughout scripture, in the midst of spending time with the crowds, and he could have spent all his time with the crowds, he's like, no, I need time to be with my father. I need time to be poured into by God because I can't get at this alone. And I've noticed that when Jesus does something, it's not just a good idea, it's the best idea for us to follow. And so when we're going about to help and to serve those needy people in our group, we need God's help. And as Adam and Jason just spent some time talking to us about, um, well, let me say this, we were fueled by spending time with God um, to make sure we get that in our notes. Um, that's what Jesus did when he went and spent time um, with God in prayer. Um, he, he then goes from there and he goes and talks to more crowds and he goes and impacts more people. Um, and we can be refueled the same way. We can have our heads anointed with oil, um, like in Psalm 23. It's, just, it's awesome, love that passage. Um, and in addition to God's help, we need others' help. The life of Jesus is full also of story after story of people helping each other. Uh, and we all know this as community group leaders in Northridge, we're not created to do life alone, right? We believe life is done better in circles than in rows because we can have relationships. We can dive into vulnerability, into community, into conversations. I mean, you've been doing that for years, 16 years or longer as community group leaders. Like that's, we just, we know that at the core of our, of our being because we've experienced that in group after group. Um, Adam and Jason, Jason said this, right? Our group goal as community group leaders is to make sure everyone in our group is cared for, not to do all the caring by ourselves. And so how do we do that, right? How do we do that? How do we um, go about it with others? Well, we delegate care. Uh, this is probably isn't a surprise to any of us, and I, just in my table, as we were discussing at the end of last time, one of the women at my table was talking about how her group delegates care, and I was like, oh man, I gotta write this down. Like, she has a leader for everything, and, and she likes being in control, but she's learned how to like, give control. Like, that is, I was like, dang it, like, I, need to, I need to gain those skills some of those times. Well, again, how, do we, how then do we delegate care? Well, there are a few different ways, there's just different ideas about it. Um, is, first of all, we can build a group of carers. Right, I love the, the language in scripture in Matthew um, where we learn what the greatest commandment is, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's something that uh, we have, that's part of who we are as Christians, and it's part of the life of all the other Christians in our group, right? We get to be a group of carers who love our neighbors as ourselves because we follow Jesus. 
There's no other reason, right? That's, and we get to lean into that. So as we lean into delegating care, we're calling people to fill, fulfill, to live out the greatest commandment. That's where we get to lean into the strengths of our community group members, lean into their giftings, right? Somebody might not be a great community group leader, but they might make the best pies you've ever tasted. And that is a gifting. Lean into that, pour into them, encourage them, saying, hey, this person's going through a tough time. Why don't you show up and, and bring a pie? Um, I found I'm very, very much a food-driven person. That is huge to me. Even though I love baking, I love making food, when somebody brings something to me, says, hey, I made this. Um, and then when they even go that next step and say, hey, I'd love to bring you to my space. I'd love to eat this with you. I'd love to share this with you over a meal. Lean into that. Lean into those giftings. Um, delegate care well. Mark uh, chapter 2, so right after Jesus goes and spends this time by himself, we hear this story. Um, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not give him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat to the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. I, I highlighted, or I, there's supposedly a laser pointer on this. Okay, it doesn't work on a TV. Anyways, uh, I bolded the piece uh, that I wanted to point out. And this is an awesome passage. Check it out, Mark chapter 2. It's a great story. Maybe many of us know that. It's when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. How awesome is that? As community group leaders, as followers of Jesus, we get to be at times the friends carrying the paralyzed man on the mat. We get to the people, be the people that are like, oh man, there are too many people around Jesus. Let's climb this building. Let's dig through all the room. Let's tear the mud off this thing. Let's find pulleys. Let's lower him in front of Jesus. And let's have Jesus interact with them, right? Jesus, it's important to note, Jesus is the one that does the, you know, Jesus is the one that heals the person. Jesus is the one that forgives them. Jesus is the one that does, does the work, right? We get to be part of that process, though. We get to have the joy as followers of Christ together to say, hey, God responded. God healed that person. I mean, in that story, like, God literally, Jesus told him, like, hey, get up, your, you know, take your mat and walk. Like, what? And we spend so much time being amazed at the way that Jesus heals paralyzed people, and he does it throughout scripture, right? We all know this. Time after time, people, he says, hey, your faith has healed you. Like, boom, go. And then we also get to see these small moments where he says, hey, the faith of somebody else, you know what? I'm going to heal you because of their faith. Like, we get to walk alongside that. I... That's what gets me pumped as a community group leader. Um, I can't say the same. You know, I don't know what gets you pumped, but I love that. Uh, because ultimately, as group, group leaders, we don't fix people. Oh, sorry. I already said that. Just got too excited. I forgot to skip to it. Uh, <laughs> we don't fix people. We walk with people while we are all being fixed by our Lord and Savior. Right? God does the healing. We get to walk with people. We get to step into their mess into those tough situations, into those hard moments, um, right? We know this. Walking with people is a lot harder than just doing something for them. 
right? It's so much easier to do something for somebody, say, hey, your, you know, your car is broken, like, let me go and fix it. Then walking with them, like, nope, this is what you need to do to change your oil. Uh, first, you need to check to make sure there is oil. Uh, then, you need to, you know, then you need to go through this process. It's so much harder. But it's a great reminder that we get to walk with. And as we walk with them, they're not the only ones being fixed, being healed. We get to be healed, too. And I love the language. Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church, says this. Um, he says, a personal relationship with Jesus is good, but a shared relationship with Jesus is better. Mm. Just let that sink in. Sink in. So now we've talked a little bit about where we need to come from when approaching a fellow needy person. We're going to talk about the how. We're going to talk about, hey, how do we go about some of these harder situations? How do we go about um, approaching those needs? Um, and there's two parts of it. Um, there's, first, we need to assess the needs, and then we need to address the needs. And so we're going to start by talking about assessing the needs. Um, because you can't address the needs you haven't assessed. Um, and I mean, we know this with doctors. If they like, look at somebody and say, hey, this is what's wrong with you, and they give the wrong assessment, then no matter what they do to address it, they're going to be hitting the wrong problems. They say, I'm not a doctor. I was going to try and give an example there, but it's going to fail. Uh, but we, we know this, right? If they give you the wrong assessment, no matter how you address it, they might hit some of the, the, um, the symptoms, but they're not getting at that core fundamental issues. And so as we're assessing the need, we're going to be trying to figure out, OK, what are the core issues at play here? What's really happening here? And there's a really great framework. Um, and some of you might have read this book um, it went from When Helping Hurts. Uh, when Helping Hurts is a book that's been talked about around Northridge for a few years. Um, and in this book, um, it's looking at ways that we can address needs. Um, and they often talk about material needs uh, without doing more harm. Um, and a lot of the ways, that, at least the, when I read this book, and maybe that many of us read this book, is we think about, OK, what do I do with the person that I'm passing who's uh, experiencing homelessness? Or what do I do with that organization that's working overseas? Um, and what I want us to be thinking about in this space today is how can we apply that, some of those principles, when assessing the needs to our community groups and to our community group members. And there's a really great um, three-step three process they walk through uh, when trying to figure out what it is. And the three steps uh, is trying to figure out if it's a thing that needs relief, that needs rehabilitation, or that needs development. Um, and relief. Relief is the urgent and temporary provision of emergency aid to reduce immediate suffering from a natural or man-made crisis. Um, examples of that. That would be somebody in your group, their furnace broke down, and it's February, and it's Rochester, uh, and they're freezing cold. A way of providing relief would be saying, hey, our furnace still works. Come spend the night with us. Go from the, the, <laughs> go from the cold moment to the warm moment. Uh, another great example of this is just the story of the Good Samaritan. Right? This is somebody who is beaten, robbed, left for dead on the side of the road, and he's in a space of emergency, of suffering, and the Good Samaritan comes and gives him aid. So that would be a, a place of relief. The next step would be, uh, is it rehabilitation? Rehabilitation begins as soon as the bleeding stops. It seeks to restore people and their communities to the positive elements of their pre-crisis conditions. 
So examples of this is community group leaders would be uh, helping a community group leader find, uh, helping, helping a fellow member of your group find a job after they were laid off. I mean, COVID, many of us probably experienced some version of that this past year. Uh, maybe it wasn't with a job, maybe it was with something else that people lost or whatever it might have been. Um, but walking with somebody as they are, have been in, like they were in the crisis and now they're trying to walk out of that, um, walking them back to those pre-crisis conditions. Another example would be somebody who's lost a loved one. Um, and after um, the funeral, walking with them, and we know it's a journey that takes forever, um, right? Um, but being able to walk with them to maybe a moment where they can go from being able to not handle like, the day to being able to handle like, the, next, the next moment. Um, so that would be a piece, place of rehabilitation. And the last piece is development. And this is the process of ongoing change that moves all the people involved, both the helpers and the helped, closer to being in right relationship with God, self, others, and the rest of creation. So this would be examples, walking with a community group member as they need counseling. Um, you know, maybe walking with them to meet, meeting with Adam or one of our other biblical counselors, or maybe even doing walking with them through some of that process yourself. Um, or it could be going with a community group member um, who's just had a bad time with their finances through one of our um, equipped courses, maybe sitting through Financial Peace University with them. Maybe it's the first time you've sat through, or maybe it's the 30th. Um, but sitting with them through that process again, helping them rethink their finances and how to steward what God has given them, and in the process, being challenged and encouraged and walking with and learning how you can better steward your finances as well. Um, so I think that these three steps, are, or these three different categories are really helpful when trying to assess the need. Um, there's actually a group of questions that I think help us try to figure out from the same book. Um, there we go. Um, how to figure it out. Uh, so they would be, there's just a few questions that I think are really helpful. There's just four, uh, again, when assessing the need. These are in your notes. Um, is there really, is there a crisis at hand, really? Is this person just crying wolf and it's not? Or is there actually a wolf here? Um, uh, that would be probably a relief situation if that's the case. But uh, to what degree was the individual personally responsible for the crisis? Right? Was their house hit by a tornado, or they, are they the tornado that's hitting everything else in their lives? Um, again, sounds like you've had some of those people in your group. Uh, sometimes I think I am one of those people. Um, can the person help herself or himself? Sometimes people get into this process of thinking, hey, I can't help myself. And it, it becomes a cycle. It becomes a mindset. And being able to help break that cycle is like, hey, like, let's think this through. Let's, let's sit through this financial peace class together and realize that you don't need financial help from me. You actually have the resources. You're just pouring them all into this place or that place. Um, and maybe if we redirect those funds, you can actually get yourself to a sustainable place in life. Uh, fourth question. To what extent has this person already been receiving relief from you in the past? There's a difference between helping somebody up once uh, financially uh, and helping them up for six, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 months in a row. Um, uh, we all know that. Um, if you're like me, you've experienced what that looks like as a person trying to help somebody up and be like, wait, when I guess when people parent, they like eventually let the kid like realize they can stand up themselves. Um, I speak from being a kid, not from being a parent. But 
I think that these four questions can help us figure out what the core needs are, the core issues when we are assessing a need. And there are more questions, and I'm sure that you could probably add another 50 to this list, but I think these four help us really think through, okay, like is this a relief? Is this rehabilitation? Is this development? Is this a combination of all three? Is this something that like, for whatever reason, those categories aren't actually helpful for? Um, they can help us get past those surface issues to the deeper issue that's driving the need that we need to address. And so then when it comes to the second piece uh, is addressing the need. Um, I kind of gave that away earlier, but in case you didn't get it in your notes yet, this one is addressing the need. So after we assess the need, we address the need. Um, and when it comes to addressing the need, there are a few pieces we need to think about. Um, the first piece we've talked about probably three or four times already. Uh, that's don't help alone, right? We know this, we're not the saviors. We have a savior. That's one of the beautiful things about having a faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and lived and died for us and rose and ascended. Like we have the Holy Spirit living within us. We don't need to help alone. Um, we're not the saviors Jesus is. Another piece, um, and I think Jason and Adam talked about this a little bit, um, and I'm sure as group leaders we experience this, we know this, is that prevention is better than intervention. It's easier to take small steps together with somebody over time than to try and do it all at once. Um, so I learned this with New Year's resolutions. Uh, say your resolution for the year is to do 10,000 push-ups over the course of a year. Sounds like a lot of push-ups. You don't start the first day with 1,000 push-ups. Uh, you start with one. Or maybe if you were super impressive, like 20, I don't know. Um, it's easier to take small steps, to do preventative steps, than to jump in for intervention. And, and yes, we need to jump in with intervention um, when it's needed. Um, another, another wording for that is it's helping in strides takes less time than crisis care. So an example about this as community group leaders. Um, this would be the person who comes up to you um, and shares in prayer time, maybe in the men's or the women's time, and says, hey, my mom or my grandma uh, is um, going into hospice. And she's only got days or weeks left. Um, and this would be sitting with her or with him. And in that moment, and we, we're all, we all do this, so this isn't a surprising thing. And sit and say, hey, how can I love you right now? How can I, like, praying for them. That would be bringing them meals. That would be walking through the process with them as much as they're willing to. Instead of, that would be the preventative side. The intervention side, and this, you know, if nothing else is done, this is still important, would be saying, hey, we heard that, we'll go pray for your mom, your grandma. And then they keep bringing that up week after week, you kind of just say that. And then they say, oh, my, my mother, my grandma passed away. And then the, the intervention would be saying, oh, now we're here to help you. Now we're here to pray for you. Now we're here to bring you meals, right? Preventative is walking with them, helping them figure out what does it look like to mourn this stage, as well as then mourn the loss of the loved one rather than waiting for the loss to happen or the different type of loss to happen and then stepping in. Um, there's uh, different examples you could give about this, but prevention is better than intervention. Another important piece, especially as followers of Christ, is to remember that we are always to help from a posture of humility. If you think you're God, if you think God needs you to fix everybody else, <laughs> Your God is too small. 
Uh, I'm not gonna, I'll say this another, another time. I just, I just it's, as I've been preparing this, it's just been such a reminder in my heart is that we're not the saviors, Jesus is. We get to be used by Christ in others, in others and they get to be used in our lives, but we are not their savior. They have a savior that we get to help them and point them to. And, and I, I, this next piece, it, just, it strikes me because it's, I've been interacted with this way before. Um, and it's, it's sometimes that we think of people the wrong way. Um, and we realize that we need to realize that people in need are not projects we help. They're people that we love. Uh, there's nothing worse than being treated like a project, um, of, like, a, like a checklist uh, by somebody. And I'm sure all of us have an example in thinking about our lives of somebody be like, oh yeah, I need to text that person and be like, yo, how's life? You know, or whatever. It's just, and then be like, okay, totally forget about that person. Being like, wait, do they actually care about me or are they just asking? Maybe, maybe this is a, I've had this in job reviews or performance reviews that somebody will ask about your life and you're like, oh wait, you didn't actually want to know anything about life. You just wanted to talk about yours or talk about the company or whatever it was. Um, and Jesus lived this out so well. I think of the example uh, when Jesus is walking through the crowd. There's tons of people around him. And the woman comes up uh, who's been having bleeding for 12 years and touches his cloak. And she's healed. And Jesus, if he was thinking about her as a project, he would have been like, sweet. Um, I know some, I healed somebody. I'm just going to keep going. Who cares about that person? Their life's better now. But instead, even though he was on the way to heal somebody else who like, that whole crazy story happened there, he's like, wait, who touched me? And, and Peter's like, dude, like, there's hundreds of people around you. Everybody is touching you. You're at a Bills game. Like, there's no elbow space. Uh, Josh Allen just threw a touchdown. And uh, anyway, sorry, Matt. Um, instead, Jesus says, hey, who touched me? And he goes and he turns around and he finds this woman. And he says, and she shares her story with him. And he listens. And he says, your faith has healed you. Right? He, te- he treats her like a person created in God's image which is who she is. And she's not a thing, she's not a project. She's a person, a fellow person created in the image of God. And then the last piece, uh, and it's last because it's the most important, is that we are called to pray, to pray, and yes, that final blank is to pray with an exclamation point. Um, and it's last, like, I say it's last again because it's the most important. Um, it's because we have a faith where we know that God doesn't just listen to us and then go off and do his thing. God listens and responds to our prayers. The Holy Spirit even intervenes on our behalf. Like, what? And so as community group leaders, as like members in community group with other people, we get to be in relationship. We get to pour into them. We get to pray together. And that can be a really scary thing for people in group. And yet when, I'm sure we've all experienced this, when somebody does pray out loud for the first time and like, it's like, oh God, like, thanks and like group and food and games and food, I don't know. Like God responds, God loves prayers, God loves it when his, when his body, when his people pray to him. And I just, I love it. Prayer is awesome. Pray. Um, and so... I'm now going to share a little bit about some of the different resources we have, and they're all on your cards in front of you. And I'm sure there are some of us who came today only for the reason of seeking out what the resources Northridge has to offer um, when it comes to those needy people. And while that is a fully valid reason to come to a talk and to try and you know, learn more, 
Um, I really hope that our time together so far and kind of as we finish is helping us realize that we need to actually be thinking about our perspective, right? We're, if we're a, we need a perspective shift often more than we need to learn about new resources, right? We need to realize that we are fellow needy people. Um, and I, I, I said that earlier and we come back to it now because it's not just a small thing that we get to say and then float off in the middle. Um, it's true. And God uses us as fellow needy people uh, to point each other to Christ. And so with that, here are some great resources that we have as a church. Uh, community group coaches, hope you know your coach. If you don't, learn who your coach is. Uh, email Jason. Um, if you don't know your coach, you can come ask me. I probably won't know, but I can, I can email Jason for you. Um, community resource guide. So I actually have a guide that I created this past year. It's in your notes as well. If you want a physical copy afterwards, you can come grab them. Um, this is a guide for resources that exist in Monroe County. Um, so this is a guide that can help you understand, say, hey, somebody's going through a lot of financial help and needs um, resources when it comes to food or housing or funeral costs. Um, this is a great resource to point you towards organizations, Christian and non-Christian, in our area that provide those resources. Um, if you're looking for an easy one, 211. Uh, if you don't know about 211, 211 is both a number and a website. Uh, if you type go to 211, you can find out resources throughout the Monroe County and the surrounding county area. Everything, everything. Um, and it's a really great resource, especially walking with somebody through really hard situations um, where there is some really great level of need um, that, we, that our county and our country already has access and resources around. Um, so I created that. If you want that, you can check it out here. Um, it also is linked, um, hopefully, in your notes. Uh, other great resources, Northridge Equip. Um, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I just recently found out about Northridge Leaders. Uh, <laughs> should have known that one for a while. Uh, uh, probably shouldn't have said that out loud. But great resources. Check them out if you haven't already. Um, Jason talked a little bit about the Community Care Fund. Um, we started this last year. Um, and the purpose of this fund um, is to say, hey, say the example earlier, um, friend uh, whose mother or grandmother passed away and they need $400 for a flight out to Colorado. Um, the purpose of this fund is not to give you $400 to fly the person out to Colorado. Uh, the purpose of this fund is to say, hey, as a group, like, come together and say, hey, what do we have to bless this person to purchase a flight? Say, hey, you come up with $200. It's to say, come to your community group coach and say, hey, we, found, we got $200 that we as a group have put together to fly this person out to Colorado. But the flight, the flight costs $400. We would love to be able to have a matching gift to fly somebody out um, so they can be there for the funeral um, or whatever that might be. So that's a community group care fund. You can find out more about that by talking with your coach. Um, they're really useful resources in that. Uh, two, two book resources that I use in this talk, When Helping Hurts. Um, and then a partner book that came out just a couple years ago with it. It's called Becoming Whole. So be, When Helping Hurts talks kind of about what is the practical side of what does it look like to help somebody who's hurting without causing greater hurt. The Becoming Whole is about the theological reason why we as followers of Jesus, who have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, why we would go about doing that. Um, 
I, I think it's even better than when helping hurts. Uh, maybe controversial, I don't know. Um, I haven't been in enough circles where, but anyways. But really cool. Uh, and last resource, you've seen some of the quotes throughout. Um, there's a, a sermon series with a specific sermon called Relational Vampires, The People Who Suck the Life Out of Us by Craig Rochelle, uh, Life Church. It's great. Um, it's also a great title for a series. I think they did it around uh, Halloween. Uh, it was ideal. Um, so now I want us to take a time to do to, some time to do a group exercise. So um, my hope is that if you get nothing out of this breakout session uh, from what I said, that you will get something out of these, this group break, this uh, this breakout or this not breakout, I just said breakout. Um, this group exercise. That's what I called it. Um, so what I'm handing out um, are two sets of stories of a needy person. Uh, there are two different needy people. Um, one is named P, and the other one is named J. Um, and we are going to uh, break out into groups of three or four people. Um, and we're going to spend the next, and let me make sure I get my timing right on this. Um, we're going to spend the next five, five minutes or so um, talking through um, these individuals. So I want us to take uh, time in smaller groups to um, read through the three different situations of each person. Great, thank you. Um, and after you read through each situation um, in, of this needed person, ask the questions, what would you do? What have you done in similar situations? Um, and then take some moment to assess and address the situation. So everybody, break up into groups of three or four. I want us to start with P's story. Um, so let's spend the next three or four minutes on that. And then I'm going to transition us to talk about J's story. 